Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Hebrews chapter 4, we're picking up in verse 1. We'll read down through verse 13. I've titled this sermon, Finding Rest in God. Hebrews chapter 4, we're picking up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Therefore, since a promise in verse 1, I need y'all to say a better amen than that. Since a promise remains of entering his rest... Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to you as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with what, saints? Faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore, in verse 6, it remains that some must enter it, rest, And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, verse 8, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. Therefore, I want you to underline verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. As I mentioned, taking a little detour from 2 Corinthians, um, want to share something with you, uh, something that uh, has been on my heart, and thus this sermon uh, was born out of it. The writer of Hebrews tells us a promise remains of entering his rest. Now let me just start by saying that rest seems to be a missing word in our culture. Doesn't it feel like that? There seems to be a restless spirit in the air. You see it in the world and you see it in the church. 
The world is looking for rest and peace and contentment. We've noticed a rise in yoga. In yoga, people are trying to find peace and serenity and rest. I realize there's different types of yoga. We see it in a rise in Eastern mysticism and New Age teaching and contemplative prayer. All of this is intended to answer the unrest of the soul. When actually, all it's doing is numbing our conscience of the real cause of the unrest. And people aren't resting because we're living frantic lifestyles. And that whole frantic thing has made its way into the church. The church is expected to be frantic nowadays. Always a new conference, always a new seminar, always a new method. Have you noticed, even on Facebook, there's like always a new uh, something, a new seminar. Or you can click into a new webinar, and we're having a webinar on what the nine things the church is doing wrong that keep people from coming to church, and ten things that you need to know in order to grow your church. The church has bought into this frenzy or this frantic lifestyle that we feel in the world. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves, although we should understand you can have spiritual activity and still not enter rest. Did you hear me? You can have spiritual activity and still not enter rest. Activity, got your pen? Activity does not equal spirituality. Now, the book of Hebrews is 13 chapters, 303 verses, 6,913 words, 82 allusions and or quotations from the Old Testament to Hebrew believers. And here in chapter 4 of Hebrews, it brings us right in the middle of a warning from chapter 3. I want you to look at uh, chapter 3 in verse 7. brings us right in the middle of this warning of chapter 3, verse 7. So I swore in verse 7. In chapter 3, verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In verse 8, in the day of the trial in the wilderness. In verse 11, so I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So what does that mean? Now, in Hebrews chapters 4, verses 1 through 13, the word rest, and I counted them, and you can in your own time if you want, is used nine times. It's used nine times. And the word rest, if you look it up in the dictionary, the word rest means to relax. It means to recover. It means to refresh. It means to cease from action or motion. You stop doing what you're doing. The action and the motion is over. It means to stop from labor or exertion. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer is encouraging these Christian Jewish believers to stop and be free from exertion and motion and just rest. It's not a physical rest. It's speaking about a spiritual rest. It's a spiritual rest that you cease from. In other words, no more trying to please God by works. It's a rest of not being persecuted. Are y'all listening? It's a rest of not being pressured and persecuted. It's a rest of finally getting into your own promised land. Listen, the promised land in scripture represents or is a type of Christian maturity. I know that over the years in what 
we call uh, Negro spirituals, uh, they would often sing about the promised land. And the promised land um, was equated to heaven. Listen, that's, that's not the promised land. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land speaks to spiritual maturity. It speaks of being grown up in Christ, growing in Christ. It doesn't speak of heaven. It's not parallel to heaven because in the promised land, you have to enter the promised land. And when you get in the promised land, there are Amalekites there. And there are uh, Amalekites and there are Gergesites and, 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 and other ites. And, um, amen. Other ites. There's all kinds of ites. Parasites and ites. In the promised land, they had to go into the promised land and they had to fight for the land. So the promised land cannot speak of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God, you won't have to fight in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there's no, there's no more tears, there's no more sadness, there's no more sorrow, and there's no fighting in the kingdom of God. So when you enter into the promised land, that speaks of rest. The rest that Hebrews is talking about is not a place or a time, it's in a person. It's resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When you enter that kind of rest, God's rest, you cease from working and trying to please God. Now, this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to look at uh, verse by verse per se this morning. As you know, we are a verse by verse teaching church, Bible teaching church. We cover every jot, every tittle, every question mark, every line, Line upon line, precept upon precept. But this morning, I want to do a little something different that's been on my heart to share with you. And um, I need some time to share it. So this morning, I want to focus on verse 9 in chapter 4. Verse 9 in chapter 4 and simply tie the other verses together. Notice in verse 9 of chapter 4, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now, I want you to look at chapter 3 and verse 7. We looked at it once, but let's look at it again. Chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness. Look at uh, verse 13 of the same chapter. In verse 13, today has the same message. Don't allow your hearts to become hardened. Look at verse 15. If you will hear his voice, chapter 3, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then in chapter 4, in verse 7, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The writer is encouraging these Jewish believers not to harden their hearts like the people of God did. And because they hardened their hearts, they did not believe God. They did not enter into God's full rest. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you already know this. And if you don't, then write this down. Numbers chapter 13, 14, and 21. Numbers 13, 14, and 21 all tell the story of the people of God leaving Egypt after 430 years of slavery. And God told Moses, you know the story, don't you? God told Moses to tell the people what he's telling them. Let my people go. Don't y'all know that? God told Moses, I'm going to say it again. God told Moses to go tell Pharaoh, what he say? Let my people go. You know that. And the people left Egypt and they're headed for the promised land, the Canaan land, the land flowing with milk and honey. 
And while wandering, headed toward the Canaan land, but they hadn't gotten there. They're wandering in the wilderness. They come to Kadesh Barnea, Numbers 14. Moses sent 12 spies to check out the land, and they came back after 40 days later. And they said, Pastor Moses, we got some good news and some bad news. Which one you want first? Don't you, somebody say to you, you always say, I don't know, I always say, give me the bad news first. Where my bad news people at? Yeah. Give me the bad news first. I want the bad news first. Okay. So they say, we got good news, bad news. Okay. The bad news is that there are giants in the promised land, in Canaan. The Anakins, the Amalekites are in the land. And these dudes, they said, are beyond buff. They are so huge, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. And the people said, oh, no, we are doomed because we look like grasshoppers. And God was bugged. <laughs> Boom. boom. Because they didn't believe the promises of God. The good news is the land is flowing with milk and honey. Well, listen, Joshua and Caleb said to the people, I love this, Numbers 14, 8 and 9. They said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Listen, from Canaan or from Egypt to Canaan was an 11-day journey as the crow flies. An 11-day journey. But because the people of God never believed God, the people of God always wanted to prove God and constantly test God, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. And while in the wilderness, listen, God was still merciful and God was still faithful. How many of you know, even when you are not doing what God has called you to do, God will still show mercy and God will be faithful to you. God is merciful. God is faithful. Miracle after miracle, God provided for his people. Listen, the miracle started when they left Egypt, chased by Pharaoh. They come to the Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's army is in hot pursuit behind them. And Moses raises up his staff, and he parts the Red Sea, and Israel passes on dry ground and reach the other side. And Moses' army drowned in the Red Sea, and Israel got on the other side, and they sang the song of Moses, The Lord has triumphed gloriously. Well, then they come to the wilderness of sin, and they continued. God continues to show grace and mercy mercy and provision. He led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And if that wasn't enough, when they were thirsty, God gave them water from a rock. And if that wasn't enough, God provided meat to eat quail. And if that wasn't enough, their clothes didn't wear out and shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Wouldn't that be awesome, parents, if their shoes... Seriously, I am serious. Would that not be fantastic? If you bought them some Nikes and they lasted for 40 years, now you buy them some Nikes and they last for 40 minutes because their feet grow so quick. You bought me like, boy, didn't I just buy you some shoes last week? Yeah, but my feet have grown. Well, stop eating. Stop doing something. You're getting too big. 
God was faithful to them. Somebody say amen. And if that wasn't enough, when they were hungry, manna came from the sky every day. Now keep in mind, there are as many as two million people in the wilderness. That's a lot of manna every day. Exodus chapter 16, write this down. Exodus 16, 18, each day they were taken, they were to take an omer or six pints per person. Scholars have done the math. That is 4,500 tons of manna every single solitary day. Friday evening before the Sabbath, they gathered 9,000 tons of manna came down every single day. That's over 1 million tons per year for 40 years. You tell me God's not faithful. God said, take the manna, bake the manna. Cook the manna, boil the manna, roast the manna, whatever you're going to do to it, do it for 40 years. And they got sick of manna. And they said, man alive, can't we eat something else? (laughs) And I'm sure they got creative in ways to make manna dishes. They probably published a manna cookbook. They had different manna dishes. Should I do it? They made manicotti, banana bread, banana splits, banana wraps. The manna was a little white coriander seed and it tastes like honey. And listen, you can see the grace of God even in that. Because God could have provided this manna every single day. And, and, and look, God was gracious to, to have it taste like honey. God could have had it taste like Pepto-Bismol <laughs> or Kaopeptake or something. Oh. God had it taste like honey. I'm telling you, what I'm saying is that God is a merciful God. Somebody say amen. He's a merciful God. Yeah, I'll wait while you clap your hands there. He's a gracious God and a merciful God. We can see the grace of God even in the taste of the, uh, of the coriander seed. I mean, it could have tasted like uh, uh, castor oil or cod liver oil. Remember cod liver oil? I said castor oil, didn't I? I meant cod liver oil. You remember your mom used to make you take a cod liver oil? Y'all remember that? Oh, my gosh. That was child abuse. That was child abuse. That was just child abuse. I'm sorry, it was child abuse. That was child abuse. CBS or C- CPS needs to be called. <laughs> I said CPS. I meant CPS. God was gracious to give them great tasting food. Well, listen, in spite of all of their unbelief, Israel refused to believe God, and because they refused to believe God, they failed to enter God's rest. And the point of chapter 4, got your pen? The point of chapter 4 is nobody can enter God's rest without faith. Hebrews chapter 11, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Chapter 4 tells us, without faith, you cannot enter the rest of God. So a whole generation under Moses' leadership died in the wilderness, carcasses in the wilderness. And remember, even after that generation died, 
A younger generation went into the land, but even that generation did not enjoy the full rest that God had planned because of unbelief and a lack of obedient faith. So there was no rest in Moses' case, and there was no rest in Joshua's case. In verse 8 in our text, look at it. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have spoken of another day implied of rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, there remains a rest for the people of God. You know what's really interesting? Cults always promise you happiness, don't they? They promise you health and wealth and prosperity, but they cannot and will never be able to promise you rest. The rest that we're talking about, again, saints, we find it in Christ, resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I want to shift here just a little bit, just a little turn, talking about rest. I want to talk about the Sabbath. The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 9, we are told Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Leave that verse there just for a second. The work of creation, according to Scripture, was done in six 24-hour days by God. Creation ceased on the sixth day. It didn't go on for thousands of years, contrary to popular teaching. It didn't go on for millions and billions of years. Six 24-hour days, God created the entire creation. It was finished on the seventh day. God stopped and rested from all his work, the Sabbath. Now, we hear so much talk in the Christian world. Thank you for that verse. We hear so much talk in the Christian world about keeping the Sabbath. Let's understand something, saints. The Sabbath was given to Moses with the law and the Ten Commandments. The church, listen to me, the church was never obligated to keep the Sabbath. Never. Hope that doesn't mess you up, mess up your day, burst your bubble. The church was never obligated to keep the Sabbath. In the book of Acts, the church met on Sunday because they loved Jesus. The church met on Sunday because Jesus resurrected on Sunday. The church met on Sunday for prayer and praise and fellowship and teaching. The church did not meet on Sunday out of law. They met out of love for Jesus. The early church never observed the Sabbath. Now listen, if you're a Sabbath keeper, you have to keep the whole Sabbath. Amen. You can't just keep part of what you like and the other part you don't keep. If you're going to keep the Sabbath, you have to keep the whole Sabbath. And the whole Sabbath begins from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Genesis tells us from evening to morning were the first day. That's why it's sundown to sundown. If you observe the Sabbath, you have to work six days a week. Remember God said, six days thou shalt work and the seventh thou shalt rest. So you're not to observe the Sabbath unless you have worked six, six days a week. If you keep the Sabbath, you have to allow your land to rest Every seventh year. If you read Ezekiel in your own time. And Exodus. I have it for you on the screen. Exodus 31. 12 through 14. The Lord spoke to Moses saying. Speak also to the children of Israel saying. Surely my Sabbath you shall keep. 
For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, the Sabbath, that person shall be cut off from among the people. The verses go on to say that the children of Israel are to celebrate and keep the Sabbath for generations. The Sabbath is a sign between Israel and God. From Exodus, we learn the Sabbath is unique to Israel. When Jesus, listen, when Jesus came... Jesus changed everything, and everything changed. He didn't just cleanse the temple, he abolished the temple. He didn't want to eliminate bad priests and keep the good priests, he eliminated the priesthood. He didn't reconstruct or, or restructure the sacrificial system, he obliterated it. He destroyed all rituals and all sacrifice and all the externals. He destroyed the Holy of Holies, including the Sabbath. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.